Today I'm going to be talking about the second instalment of um, a, a series called Presence. Um, the reason why we want to talk about presence is because it's one of these ideas that in the Christian world, um, it becomes almost so mythical and mystical that we look at the presence of God as this elusive thing, this thing where people are like, oh, so you, had the pre- you felt the presence of God? How did I miss that? It was like, it was like did it miss go to the top of my head? You know, we've, we've almost created the, the, the presence of God to be an elusive thing. When we talk about, oh, let's, let's, just, uh, let's just lean into the presence of God and someone's like, how do I, how do I lean into it? I don't know what you're talking about. And there's, there's language around it that's actually quite, um, if you don't subscribe to that language, um, it's actually quite hard to understand what is going on. So we wanted to talk about the presence of God. Last week, what we spoke about was the presence of God in the Old Testament. So before the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, the, the, uh, the, pre- uh, the presence of God was found in the temple. Or even go right further back, the presence of God was found in something called the tent of meeting. And I pulled a little pop-up tent that we take to the beach. And I tried to sit in there. And I realized that I'm really big. And so I, instead of going in there, I stood out. But it was the, the idea of it is that someone would actually go into that tent. There's a verse in Exodus that says that God would meet them. He would descend and meet them in that tent. And so the difference is now because of Jesus Christ, that tent is no longer a physical place that we go to, but is the tent we are ourselves are now called the temple of Christ. We are called the tent of meeting. So God has descended through Jesus Christ into our hearts. Therefore, when we accept Jesus, we can experience and encounter him. Not by going to church, not by going and setting up a tent in your backyard, but by shifting our awareness and focusing on him. So that's what we spoke about last week. And I brought up the, this, these two terms, um, the Hebrew terms, are words. The first word is called panim. Panim means face or face to face. So it's like encounter, this panim. To panim God is to look into the face of God. You get to know who God is and God knows you. Yada, 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 is the Hebrew word for to know. So to know means to know intimately, personally, and in a place of communion. Like we know each other really well. Uh, and so I brought up those two ideas of penim and yada. Turn to the person next to you and say penim and yada. Yada. So this week I want to look at the presence of God from a different angle. Because we, what we have to understand is that um, through the time of worship, it feels, it feels like the atmosphere, there's a vibe. It feels like, oh, it feels like God is here. But we have to understand that God is omnipresent, which means that he is everywhere. That God is always with us. It says in the Bible, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what we have to understand is that when we come together, that's why it's so important to go to church. Because when we come together, it creates... Uh, like almost a collective sound that encourages one another and says, actually, God is here. So when we, when we talk about the presence of God, we want to also we look at it that way, but we want to look at other ways that God can be manifest in our lives. So what I'm going to talk about today 
is the presence of God in communion. So we look at here, we've got communion. We've got the, the communion table. It's, it's the act of communion. Um, in the Bible it talks about, I'll explain it a bit more later, but it talks about the taking of the bread and the wine, which is symbolic of Jesus' body and his blood shed for us. So the act of communion is something, and, uh, so, and the reality of communion is something I want to talk about today. So I want to bring up a word for you, though. The word communion in Greek is koinonia. Koinonia. Say that. Koinonia. I practiced this last night. Get that? I practiced this. I took Greek at Bible college. Oh, my goodness. And it means, it means sharing in and communion and fellowship. So let's, kononia, let's just say that's how it's, it's said, kononia. Kononia. My notes say different. <laughs> so I'm going to unpack the presence of God through this lens of kononia, communion. Is that cool? Turn to the person next to you and tell them how you think Kanonia is said. All right, great. So I'm going to be speaking today first on communion. We're just going to call it communion from now on. I'm going to be speaking today about communion as one, as an act, and communion two, as a reality. Communion as an act and communion as a reality. And if we look into John 6, 52, verses 58, and this is, these are um, uh, very uh, uh, important verses for the communion table and the taking of communion. And this is John 6, verses 52 to 58 from the Amplified Bible, so it explains it a bit more. It, it says, Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... Unless you believe in me as saviour and believe in the saving power of my blood. So that's what the flesh and the blood means. Um, Of my blood which will be shed for you. You do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, which is believed in me and accepts me as a saviour, has eternal life that is now, that is now possesses it. And I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. For my flesh is true spiritual food and my blood is true spiritual drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, believes in me, accepts me as saviour, remains in me, and I, in the same way, remain in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, even so the one who feeds on me, believes in me, accepts me as saviour, will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. It is not like the manna that our fathers ate, and they eventually died. The one who eats this bread, believes in me, accepts me as saviour, will live forever. You know how we, we talk about the uh, communion, eat my flesh, drink my blood? Um, it's, that's what it is unpacked as. You know, it's for those who believe in me and Saviour and believe in the forgiving power of the, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, he took our sins and he forgave all our sins. That's what it means. But then we jump into the, the act of communion where we find in, when Jesus just... The, the night before he actually passed away, or as it went to the cross, it says in Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29, it says, while they were eating, so this is at the, just uh, during the last supper, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. 
Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, uh, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on, on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So those, those are two of the most indicative major verses. Um, so major verses detailing the why, the what, and the how of the communion, the act of communion. Why, what, how we do that. The reason behind it. The thing is, Jesus, his body broke for us. Jesus is the living bread. Jesus is the, he is the living bread. The living word. He is, the, he is that person who has broken for us. But because we consume and we take him in, he lives in us. When we partake in his humanity, we also partake in his divinity. But then it it says, like it says in verse 56, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, which means believes in me, accepts me as saviour, remains in me, and I in the same way remain in him. So we partake in the presence of God by partaking in the act of communion it is a remembrance we don't it doesn't mean every time you do it it means that when when we do this spiritually it, we we remember that he is with us already this act is a remembrance do this in remembrance of me that i have come you have believed in me and you have received the forgiveness for sins in your life because through the act of communion, which is the, the bread and the wine, which represents the, uh, the body and the blood, we recognize the communion or the presence of God in our lives. Communion with the elements is symbolic and a remembrance. But as we remember, we realign our spirit with God to commune with him, to yada, to panim. Because what we have to understand is through the cross, there is now nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There is now nothing. Just by taking this, it doesn't mean that you have been saved once again. You know, there's some people we come to church every week thinking that I need to get, I need to receive salvation again because I think I lost it throughout the week. You can't lose your salvation. God will not take away a gift he has given to you. You can give it away, but I don't think we even know how to, honestly. (laughs) So when we take this as a remembrance, as a communion, as an act, is a realignment of our spirit with God to commune with God. So it is an invitation. You know, like I was saying, this is the communion table. You have been invited to sit at the table it is an invitation to sit and to share, to commune with God, to come and be in His presence. Yeah, have you ever been invited to someone's house for dinner? I hope everyone has been. If not, come to me later and we'll invite you to our house for dinner. Um, when you're invited to someone's house for dinner, that is an intimate, personal thing. I actually said. One thing that makes nice say is that if we invite you into our house, that is probably one of the most intimate, personal things that we can do for you, is to invite you into our home. God has invited you to the table, to his table, the communion table. So there's an invitation to intimacy, to, to the presence of God. So God says, come sit, you are welcome 
and we go and we sit in his presence and we yada and we panim him. So like I was saying, I think it's important because that's just the act of communion. That's just the act. And we're going to take this later on. I want to talk now about communion as a reality, the presence of God in our lives. Because when we talk about the, uh, the communion, we talk, we're talking, a lot of us, our mind goes to the elements. But we need to realize that the act of communion moves to a reality that we need to live in. And I'm going to bring up a verse here. It's, 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 a, it's a very famous verse. You can hear it in um, Gangster's Paradise. Um, it's Psalm 23. It's called a Psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Let me say that again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The table is set. The table is set. You have been invited. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in this house of the Lord forever. In Psalm 23, we see a a picture of the shepherd. Old school shepherds aren't like new school shepherds. You got your Toyota Hilux, you got your RV, not RV, your quad bike. His RV is like a camper van. And it's like, well, you might have a camper van, depends what. Anyway, so you have, and you drive around and you herd them in, and you, you use dogs to instill the fear of God into their lives. Um, the old school shepherd wasn't like that. The old school shepherd would draw the sheep. The sheep knew their shepherd. They knew the shepherd's voice and they trusted the shepherd. So they would follow the shepherd not because of fear, but because of trust. Because they knew the face of the shepherd. They knew the voice of the shepherd. So the shepherd, it says... Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means that I'm walking through. That means that the shepherd is leading the sheep through the valley. It doesn't mean um, though you lead me to the final destination of the shadow of the valley of death. It means you're being led through. That therefore means that God is, the shepherd is with them all the time. That therefore means for us looking at Jesus as our shepherd... That he is with us at all times. And get this. It says he prepares a table before them, in the, before us in the presence of our enemies. You know, the table, you know, it, like I said, it's referred to the communion table. And it is recognized at the table we feast with the shepherd, Jesus Christ, in the presence of our enemies. But if we actually look at Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29, we'll see that the Last Supper, there's actually a communion table there as well that that they partake in. It's actually where this new practice for us 
is to, we, take, we take that from. And Jesus, just a few hours before Jesus met with his followers, we have to understand the context of the situation. They were in the upper room of a city filled with people who hated him. When Jesus died, Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't like, people weren't like, oh, Jesus, this is awesome. The religious leaders hated him. The government officials hated him. He sat at the communion table surrounded by enemies in the night. Somewhere in the city were Annas and Cephas, Judas running to collect his 30 pieces of silver for betraying Jesus. We know uh, Pontius Pilate, Pilate. (laughs) We know Pilate is there with his soldiers and whips and hammers. We're aware of the angry religious leaders and the mob so bloodthirsty. They were wanting a crucifixion of Jesus. So we see in Psalm 23 that a table is prepared in the presence of our enemies. Then we jump into Jesus' story and his table is prepared in the presence of his enemies. He is surrounded by enemies. What does that tell you about the reality of communion? At all times, at all times, God's presence is with us. At all times, we can be in the midst of the presence of our enemies. We can be in this place where it seems like life is just falling apart. The table of communion is set, but the reality of communion was set by the cross. No longer... No longer do we have to go to a tent. We turn and we shift our awareness and realize that we are in communion with God at all times. When we accept Jesus into our lives, we are in fellowship, communion with Him at all times. And like I was saying, the table is prepared in the presence of my, uh, my enemies. But then we look at the story and there's the, the table was prepared in the presence of his enemies. So that says now that what which was once mine, my hardships, my struggles, my strife, my addiction, my fear, my enemies. Jesus has taken that upon himself because he will lead us through it. So no longer is it my just my problem that separate and God separates himself for us. Actually, he takes it on as his hardship, his struggles, his strife, his addiction, his fear, his enemies to deal with. No longer, no longer are we in this place of, of being separated from God. But God is so close to us that when we struggle, if it, it causes his heart of compassion to turn towards us. When we're in fear, it causes his, his love and his, his strength and wisdom to, to come and save us. No longer are we separate from God, but the thing is the communion, the communion table is still set. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, believes in me, accepts me as saviour, remains in me, and I, in the same way, remain in him. The communion table 
realigns us and reminds us that God's presence is always with us. The reality of communion with God is that we no longer live our lives alone. And it says that if God is with us, who can be against us? It says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is not strengthening you from a tent. You can do it. <laughs> it's like, sorry, I'll just get closer to the tent. I can't hear you. No, he's within you. And he's strengthening you within yourself. God will never leave us nor forsake us. And I, I mentioned this last week, and I want to I wanna just um, bring it this, this plane to a land here just before we go into communion. But the reality of communion, like I was saying, is that we no longer live our lives alone. Some of us feel alone. Some of us feel alone. That is okay. You're not alone. I just want to tell you that you're not alone. But some of us feel like it. And last, last week I, showed, I gave an example of shifting our awareness. I don't know about you, but I sit... I sit like this. I cross my legs. It's comfortable. I make it comfortable. I sit like this. But after a while, if I sit like this for too long, the blood starts to go out of my leg. I start to get a bit of a dead leg. And start to, I lose feeling. And it's almost like, ah, oh, what do I need to do to fix this part of me? I need a shift. I need to change my position. So what I do is I lift and hoist my leg off. And the blood starts to flow back to my leg. The life starts to come back to my leg. Sometimes our positioning is what is causing us to feel as though there's no life. It's, it's starting to cause us to feel like God is not with me. Some, sometimes it's not, it's not what we're doing. It's just the way we've positioned ourselves. The thing is, God's there. God's here. But we keep asking this question, why do I feel alone? Why don't I feel the presence? We need a shift. And it says, fix your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Yeah. Maybe your position is that you're too worried about your finances. Maybe your position is that you're too worried about how people are looking at you in church. Maybe you're, you're going through a relationship breakup. It's hard. I know it is hard. But do not let that steal the presence of God from your life. Or you think that the presence of God is stolen from your life. Because it can't be. There's now nothing, no angel nor demon, no height nor depth that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. So what we are doing and what we're going to do now is we're going to go through communion. And we're going to, have, we're going to, we're going to get into this shortly. But um, the act of communion, like I was saying, is a reminder of the reality of our communion with God. Yeah, by coming to the table physically, we choose to remember. Mm-hmm. But by coming to the table spiritually... We experience God's presence through communion with Him. Mm. We remember to realign with God. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to get everyone to close their eyes.
And I'm just going gonna, gonna to just lead you through communion. And if you've never taken communion before, it's, it's nothing too crazy. It's just uh, two elements which um, represent the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus blood of Christ. So what I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask you to do is to, when you're ready, just to come up, grab a cup, grab a piece of bread, and then go back to your seat. But like I was saying, in Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's heaven, in my Father's kingdom. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, when you're ready, I'm just going to invite you up to, to grab a piece of bread, and a cup, and just get it and return to your seat, and then we'll we'll go on with communion. So whenever you're ready, come up and grab it. If you're back at your seat already, I encourage you to take this time to reflect. Take this time just to shift your awareness. Shift your awareness from what we're doing in this moment to who God is. That we wanna we wanna penim. God, we want to see him face to face. We want to yada, God. We want to know him intimately and personally. You know, through this, we remember Jesus' death. His body broken for us on the cross. His blood shed for us, symbolizing the forgiveness of our sins. And I think this ties in with what um, my dad said earlier on. We need to step out. That the cross has bridged the gap. But maybe we are stuck trying to claw our way into the presence of God. When all that we need to do is shift our awareness and realize that he is with us. He is with us already. I just want to encourage you just to take a minute just to reflect. Maybe you're reflecting on, maybe it's hard. You don't feel the presence of God in your life. You don't know Him the way you want to know Him. That is okay. There's a season for everything. But this is an invitation. An invitation to come closer, to come to the table. Says in James that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So in our hearts, we draw close to God and we say, God, we're here for one reason, and that's to know you. So when you're ready, in your own time, I just want you to take off the bread and take off the the grape juice it's not wine it's grape juice and then I'm going to pray for us
God, we're, we're sitting in seats, we're sitting in pews. Some people call it, we're listening to someone speak. We had some great worship and coffee just before. But God, we, wanna, we just want to forget that right now. And zone in, focus in on you. God, I pray that you would help us shift our awareness. Shift our awareness from the earthly things onto that which is above. God, we don't want to live this life not knowing you. We want to live this life knowing your freedom, your goodness, the intimate personal relationship you have offered to every single person. God, we take this time to remember the cross that Jesus created a bridge away back to you. So we lift his name up and we say that we will shift our awareness. When we need to, we'll shift our awareness again. It's a daily thing, people. Because we want to know you better than we did yesterday. We want to know the mysteries of your heart. We want to know the depth of who you are. God, we want to know you like we've never known you before. I just pray for anyone here who is struggling. One of the things about the communion, like I was saying, is that what was once ours outside of relationship with God is now brought into that relationship with God and He strengthens us. So if you're struggling with anything at all, if you're struggling with fear, anxiety, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with loneliness, depression, I'm just going to ask you to do something with every eye shut. I'm going to ask you to do something brave and just raise your hand so I can see you. I can see that hand. I see those hands. Come on, people. This is, this is not a time to, to focus on things of the earth. It's time to say, I want to get my life right. I want to shift my awareness. I want that communion with God. Yeah. I want to know Him like I've never known Him before. And putting your hand up is just a signal that says that I am surrendering and I'm choosing to make this my heart's desire. So I saw those hands. Is there anyone else who wants to chuck their hand up? Because I, I want to make sure that you're, you're in my prayer. All right. God, we just pray for every single person who's put their hand up right now. And every single person who didn't put their hand up but is crying out for this relief, this reprieve. God, I just pray that your spirit would be so prevalent in their life. Your presence would just overwhelm them. God, we just cast back any fear in the name of Jesus. We just say that anything that is contrary to the Spirit of God is bound in the name of Jesus. And we release joy over their lives. Because where there is freedom, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We pray for freedom. Like never before. We pray for freedom that overwhelms the addictions and the struggles and the hardships. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you just give us such a gratitude in our hearts. A gratitude that will say that my God can do all things. 